Welcome to Esteban Nation. This is the first episode where I interview someone. Here I have with me Sidra Albostani. She was the president of the Muslim Student Association at the University of Texas at Arlington between, when, when was it, 2017? 2017, 2018. Good to Which have. Which seems like a long time back now that I think about it. Time passes by so fast. Yeah, it's been two years, right? Already. Yeah, and I read in, in the in the UTA newspapers that you graduated with honors in biology, right? From yes, UTA? I did, alhamdulillah, yes. That's it was awesome. a long journey, but it was worth it in the end. That's great, that's great. And so what we're going to be talking about today is we're comparing the 1920s to the 2020s. What do I mean? I'm talking about the religious landscape of the 1920s to the 2020s. Obviously, a lot has happened in the United States since the 1920s, but I want to take an examination with Sidra as to what, what has occurred and some, find some differences and maybe even common ground between what starting with the Catholics and in the in 1908 to 1920s and the Muslims when you you can make the comparison that after 9-11 Muslims were the target of controversy in the United States well after during the period of almost over a hundred years of the United States existing as a country Catholics were the subject of controversy. It was not until 1908 that Pope Pius X legitimized Catholics in the United States to the point where they do not need any more aid. They are now an economic force. They don't need any, they, they don't need any help from the Catholic Church. Now the, the United States can be a hub for missionaries to go send Catholics to other parts of the world and make sure that the, the message of Catholicism has occurred. When do you think that, that Muslims will be, will have, do you think that Muslims are currently going through, uh, through something similar where they, they now have enough economic power to be a voice in the United States? That's a really good question. Um, in my opinion and in my experience, I feel like Muslim activists have been increasing, especially within the past couple of years. Um, we have public figures like Omar Suleiman. Um, we have um, just, I feel like a bunch of people that are willing to ally with other groups in order to um, bring um, Muslims uh, together and to have a voice um, alongside other politicians. So in terms of Islam's having a voice um, nowadays compared to back then. I definitely think that um, there is that chance that we may be going through what Catholics have went through. We just need that one final push. Um, we need something to show others that Muslims are not going away and that we are going to continue to grow alongside the, um, the economy in this country. So. You mentioned Omar Suleiman and some speakers, and I think I would say that those people are definitely influential, like pe uh, famous sheikhs like Yusuf Estes, Omar Suleiman, mm -hmm. and just advocates for Islam that have large Instagram followings and have lots of views on their YouTube videos. 
Someone similar that I can make this comparison to is Billy Graham. Have you ever heard of Billy Graham? No, I have not. He was an evangelical pastor in the 1940s. He recently died in, I believe, 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was, he was a pastor for, for evangelicals and Christians, and he was kind of responsible for a, a, a type of born-again era where Christians were finally, you know, he was inspiring young people and old people alike, especially people from, that just came from World War II and experienced the, the, just experienced the atrocities of World War II mm -hmm. and just lifting them and trying to, and telling, spreading the message of the gospel. Right. That's, that's what he did. And, and I feel like that's exactly what Omar Suleiman is, or people like Omar Suleiman are doing now. Um, they're kind of being the force that Muslims did not have before. Um, a person who is a pretty good scholar, but at the same time someone who is relatable to people who are seeking to understand Islam. So um, I feel like if we were to have more people like him, we are able to show um, non-Muslims and people of different religions that um, we are similar in many ways and we can function as um, members in society as well. And you can show moral, you know, these, these leaders can show some moral, este, so just the moral way, whereas, you know, Billy Graham taught the gospel and showed that, that people in the, in the 40s and, and the 1920s, even after the Holocaust occurred, after the, the Armenian genocide, after World War I, you know, human beings can still have a place you know, a religious place in society. Because af before the 19th century was about to occur, this is, here's another, another thing. When Christians believed that the 19th century was going to be the, mo no, the 20th century, the, which was 1900 to the year 2000, they thought it was going to be the most Christian century ever, like the most Christian yeah. out of any other century that has occurred in, ever in the, in the history of the of inhuman history mm -hmm. that doesn't sound that true right now that you think what what had happened during world war one world war two the vietnam war the korean war and but now in the 21st century you have they they thought the world was going to end in the year 2000 it's kind right. of a funny correlation yeah. right and then 2012 and then all the diseases that came about um, like Ebola and stuff, like you have all these people that uh, kind of predict the end of the world and then it's, it's not proven right, you know. Um, but I'm sorry I cut you off. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's <laughs> I was okay. just I thinking understand. about Ebola and diseases. Yeah, and the 20th century had its diseases as well with, I believe, ammonia, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. pneumonia. Pneumonia. Um, there was even before that, there, well, this is like way before the 20s and whatnot, but the bubonic plague, um, there's always been plagues throughout human history, and some scientists even predict that the bubonic plague will come back and haunt us from like uh, the corpses that have been um, slowly, the, the ice has been melting away um, in some parts of the globe, and it's been revealing these corpses that still have activated um, bubonic plague disease in them and so they're afraid that it comes back into the air and you know there, there's just a lot of facades of the end of the world coming about um, and of course 
many different religions have their own um, views of how that's going to happen. Islam has its own perspective. And um, having diseases and uh, like natural catastrophes occurring a lot more is actually one of the signs of um, the end of the world in Islam. And I'm sure Christianity also has similar um, views. I was passing by a church um, like the other day and I saw a sign that said uh, diseases and wars and uh, all these crises happening. Don't you think this is the end of the world? Like it was kind of, it, it really struck uh, me because it just reminded me of the way Islam kind of spreads the same thing where like all these disasters are happening but there's a reason for them. You didn't, know? didn't the Prophet Muhammad predict, oh, uh, peace be upon him, he, didn't he <coughs> predict that you know with the, the diseases and the cat catastrophes I believe he also mentioned that tall buildings are, the, are also a one sign, of the signs. Exactly, yes. Skyscrapers. Yeah, the occurrence of um, taller buildings and the competition between um, who can have a taller building and skyscrapers and all these things that weren't in existence a while back, like in the 1920s, this, like it wasn't a thing, you know, it was very rare. But now um, to have like a structure that um, is more attractive in its height and all that, um, that's a sign of the Day of Judgment <laughs> or the end of the world. Um, we call it the Day of Judgment in Islam and I'm sure in Christianity it's the same way in, in Judaism. It is. It is the, the, day, the day of judgment. Judgment day, as they say in <laughs> the, the Terminator movie. The day of reckoning. <laughs> yeah, of course. Hopefully it doesn't occur during our lifetimes. That Hopefully is for sure. not. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least we're, we're gone before it happens, but we never know. In the 1920s, the Empire State Building was the tallest building in the world. Mm. Yeah, I believe it was 1922 when it was first completed. I'm, I, I don't quite remember. Okay. I've been in the Empire State Building. I'm have you? No, I have not. I would love to. It's a very old building. Like wow. The elevator, the way the elevator works is you go up to a certain floor, right? But when you reach that floor, you have to, you are then taken into an older elevator. And then there's a man on top waiting for you and he operates the old elevator for you and then brings you to the top and he tells you you have to go this direction. When's the last time you've been? 2016 oh, or 2017. Okay. So it still operates that way, probably. Yes. Yeah, there's nothing we, there's not much that can be done to to alleviate or to improve the yeah. Empire State Building. Wow. I need a visit. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice building. But now I feel that every other building in other cities are going to be just as tall. Mm -hmm. as it's not that rare of an occurrence anymore. So, um, like, I've been to the Space Needle in Seattle, and it's not nearly as tall, but it was definitely one of the main attractions because of its um, height in the city. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Space Needle? Yeah. That's what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a, I don't know, I thought it was a tower of some kind. No. <laughs> yeah. They got creative with the name. Um. But, yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to the topic of fundamentalists and, and modernists. So we, this is still going on today. Right now it is between conservatives and liberals. Sometimes the conservatives like Ben Shapiro call this the conservatives and leftists, where people, a new type of liberal is arising where there are people who want to shut down a conversation and not, not be interested in what the other side has to say. 
mm-hmm. where they want to argue this. But in the 1920s, these liberals were called modernists. And the main battle that they were waging was, or the, the biggest debate was for the Butler Act in Tennessee. In, during the Butler Act, what they were trying to stop was that they wanted to teach Darwinism in public schools, universities, kindergarten, and any other setting where education is going to happen. And the, the fundamentalists, which are the Christians who want to preserve values from the past 19th century and just mm-hmm. want to interpret the Bible in very literal ways, want don't want Darwinism to exist because, well, they don't want it to be taught in schools because it implies that human, that everything that has come up to this point is random. Human beings, they, they came because of coincidence. Mm. Chimpanzees, killer whales, dinosaurs, they all came because of coincidence. Mm. There was no order to anything. Right. There was just because of this condition existed on this on this certain part of the planet now we have tarantulas or human beings exactly yeah and that they were afraid that because human being what they thought darwinism taught and charles darwin did not want was not intending for this to happen he was he was he believed in god he was a christian and he didn't think that his findings would disrupt the the way of life for many Christians and people who follow any religion mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. But it did exactly that. Yes. And it um, supported the idea of, what was it called? August Agnosticism. Agnosticism and atheism and just anything in general that doesn't support the idea of a creator and the idea that everything is predetermined and there's a reason as to why things were created. Um, I, um, like, as I understand now, the idea of there not being a creator amongst Muslims today is still, like, taboo. Like, this is, like, having the um, establishment of, yes, there is a creator and the creator is God, that is a fundamental belief in Islam as it is for Christianity, as it is for Judaism, as it is for um, a lot of religions. But there also is this um, popularity of, okay, well, it's not just a creator. There is a, um, there is probably like a evolution of some sort along the way. And that isn't necessarily, um, I'm no scholar, but as far as I know, that's not necessarily um, against Islamic teachings to say that there is a, um, God-willed evolution, let's like a you know like a tiny bit you know let's say from like this kind of monkey to this kind of monkey, but to go from like ape to human, that's not something that we believe in, you know. So it's like I, Islam is sort of a middle ground in that um, sense, but the the idea of um, no God being involved, there is like no reason to why Earth happened or any of the planets. That's something that is not supported. Um, I was going something with this, but I forgot. <laughs> you you said that you know um, the jump from a from a gorilla or a chimpanzee to a human being that Muslims don't believe in this, or who who you said we don't believe Muslims. in Muslims. Okay. Muslims don't believe in the idea that 
humans evolved from chimpanzees or from apes or from any animal in that mm -hmm. sense. He, we believe that humans um, evolved from humans and the first human being Adam, um, Adam and Eve. And we do believe that Adam and Eve did have different structures. They were taller, they were bigger, they were massive. Um, the nations after Adam were massive. They were um, like humongous and even their cities, it was like another scale, you know. We believe that we've evolutionized from being that way to being a different way. But we don't believe that the human race in itself has come from animals. That's something that is um, like not supported in our religion. But when, when they teach you, if you are taught, say you're learning biology, right? And you're taught the theory of evolution, how do you, how do you interpret it with your faith? You just, you know, you, you, know, you study for the exam, you, you take what Charles Darwin discovered, you wrote it down, you, and then you just, you keep it in the back of your mind, or what, what do you do with that information? Whenever I uh, study Darwinism or study the um, concept of evolution from the school textbook, um, so normally they don't just say that humans evolved from apes, they say other creatures evolved from fish that evolved from bacteria. So it goes as extreme to say that um, you know, humans are related to fish. Those are our ancestors, whatever. Um, so I have no problem studying that because it's still nice being knowledgeable about what others think and what other scientists believe and all that stuff. And it, in a way, it kind of reinforces my own beliefs because it's like, okay, these people have, have their idea and they're trying to understand. They're just trying to understand where we come from. And they don't have the concept of a divine... Um, being so it's like they don't have kind of a direction of um, like like where they need to start from what is their starting point you know for them it's like starting point is the smallest um, thing that can exist which is the bacteria or no, not bacteria but you know like one of the smallest things bacteria so <clears throat> I like I like reading up on that and being a biologist or someone who majored in biology it's very important for me to um, understand what other biologists um, kind of think and the way they teach and stuff. And growing up in America, it's impossible to um, like just have a single-minded viewpoint and not wanting to learn other things or other viewpoints as well. So that's why it's important to me to feel like, okay, well, I'm being open-minded about this and I am still adhering to my religion, but I'm still understanding others, other people's viewpoints, you know? Um, but I've, like, I'm used to it. I've, um, since the first class I've taken in college, Biology 1, my professor was very anti-creationism. He uh, made sure to devote the last lecture to showing us statistics between people with higher education and their belief in God and how it would just go downhill. Their belief in God would disappear by the time they, they got their PhD or their second, you know, doctorate or whatever. Um, but so it was it was very interesting in that sense and it didn't it didn't sway my opinion at all um, I don't know maybe it's because like there is also scientific miracles in the Quran that has been proven by science that was not known by other scientists back then during Muhammad's time um, but yeah I find it very interesting to like you know kind of look at my religion's perspective with people of modern times perspective you know
So there's the there's also the battle between liberal. You 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 hinted at where where liberals and conservatives are are dividing a lot is that con liberals see conservatives or people who are religious as as people who are naturally bigoted they they don't support science they they are anti-science they don't that therefore they are anti-human progress and they just want to to they just want to stop anything that has to do with with what human beings are capable of maybe living longer mm. eating better or any advances that could benefit society see that's the problem with muslims today i i feel like it's the biggest problem they they align with the um morality of conservatives more than they do with liberals but you also have most conservatives not agreeing with islamic perspectives like they'd rather um, they'd rather cancel Islam than to accept Muslims. That's what you find amongst a bunch of um, conservatives and you know even some Republicans, whatever. Um, but then you find the liberals saying, okay, we're willing to accept you. You just have to be like us. You have to be open. You have to be accepting of all beliefs. You have to be accepting of all traits, all um, orientation, all of that. So for Muslims, it's like, okay, we don't have a middle ground. In America, we don't have a third, well, we do, but we don't have any like major third parties. And um, if, if you have to choose between like modernists and conservatives or liberals, whatever it is, you're, you're like in that decision where it's like, okay, if I join the conservatives, I'm gonna have my liberal friends saying, wow, you're, you're this way and you're not open to science and um, you don't believe in evolution at all. And, all this stuff, and if you join liberals, you have a conservative saying, okay, but you guys, your beliefs does not support, um, you know, same-sex marriage and, you know, all the issues regarding orientation and, um, like, you know, even the gun control laws sometimes being too loose or, you know, it's like these things, that's why, like, a lot of Muslim activists, like Omar Suleiman, he kind of has to um, not necessarily sacrifice, but it's it's like kind of take and choose the good of the parties and like for him and for like most Muslims in America choosing the liberal the more liberal side is a lot better for us because it gives us more perks it gives us a voice it allows us to stand and um, like kind of be counted amongst the people because even if you are a liberal you're still count if you are progressive liberal modernist your voice is still counted even amongst the conservatives. Um, but whenever we go to the conservative side, it's like they want to shut us down. They don't want Islam to exist. We have issues of Islamophobia. We have a lot of um, white supremacists that are you know, just trying to bring um, Islam down and our culture and all that. I'm not, say I'm not trying to you know, uh, stereotype or like, say this is a general idea, but this is what we commonly see in America. So. Um, I feel for Muslims today, they kind of, like they're trying to build their identity and I feel like it's, it's getting stronger now that we have leaders as I've mentioned before, but it's still kind of, like for some people it's like, okay, well, for me my morals really tell me that I can't be siding with either party, I'd rather stay quiet, I'd rather not be active, I'd rather like not have a voice, which in my personal opinion is not an option because if you're living in a country, you, you pay the taxes, you um, like 
you contribute to society just like any other member, you deserve to have, you know, some kind of voice. So that's just my two cents on the whole issue regarding that. And so you just touched on the last topic that, that I wanted to bring up, which is Judeo-Christian values, like the origin of Judeo-Christian values. This, this word, Judeo-Christian, this whole phrase, Judeo-Christian values came up after the 1940s, after, after, in the, after World War II, after the Holocaust happened. It was meant to try to unite Jews and Christians in a, in a way where they, they, want to, they, they don't want to be disunited again after what happened in World War II with the Nazis and the Holocaust. But the term Judeo-Christian value is argued in the book that, I, that, I'm, that I'm mentioning inherently exclusive you know, only of Christians and Jews but when I read about Islam I also think but that's also an Abrahamic faith just like Judaism and Christianity you know it's the they, Muslims connect to their religion through Abraham exactly so shouldn't there be a term instead of Judeo-Christian value something maybe more and just more that has Islam in the I'll give the you word. one. I'll give you one. Um, a term that includes the Abrahamic religions that is mentioned in the Quran includes Christians, Jews, and Muslims is people of the book. And so I, I just want to make this clear for a lot of people who don't know. Islam is a continuation of the Abrahamic religion. Okay, The first one was Judaism. The second that came along was Christianity, and the third that came along was Islam, okay? Um, however, the, the terms in themselves, we believe Jews, or Judaism, people who are Jewish, they were on the right path. And um, the, the concept, there was the same concept that got passed down through all three Abrahamic religions. And that concept was what we call Tawheed, or believing in one God, monotheism. And um, Tawheed actually means something stronger than monotheism. It's like the, everything that encompasses the fact that there is one God, one creator, no association, no partners with him, and that's it. So um, when the Jews got kind of um, influenced by um, secularism, materialism, all that stuff, we believe that Jesus came down in order to um, you know, guide them to the right way and to, you know, show them the right path again and to, you know, uh, take away the, the bad influencers in society. So that's when, you know, Christianity became a thing as well. That's what we believe, that when Christianity became a thing because, you know, Judaism wasn't, you know, what it was originally from God, okay? And so Jesus came with his own book as well. And um, so his book was the Bible, and uh, it was like... It was perfect in its form from God and all that, but then it was tampered with by people of um, higher standing, and there were many different versions, and people included their own version of what they think is right and wrong. And so again, you don't have the pure words of God, and that is the problem. Um, we are trying to you know, get a direct salvation from God, and so if we have uh, humanistic factors, people who add their own opinion into um, you know, God's laws, then what, what would happen again except that God, you know, sends down more prophets. And um, 
you know, there were a bunch of prophets before the Prophet Muhammad which is, you know, the prophet that we follow and we believe to be the seal of the prophethood. We believe him to be the last prophet, the one that came down with the Quran, which is the last and final book that's been untouched for more than 1400 years, okay? And so um, this book has the uh, original rules and uh, um, kind of like the rulings of God. And so Islam promotes the idea that all the other books were touched and flawed. And now that we have the final verse, now we have two authoritative uh, books, not, not exactly books, but collections, that we, the book in like a collection of narrations that we follow, the Sunnah in the Quran. The Sunnah um, basically is everything the Prophet did, said, implied, and it's things that teach us how to practice the Quran, basically. So for people who say, oh, Islamists are, you know, a bunch of fanatical people that made up a religion, and for those who nowadays say that Islam is not even a religion, okay, um, for them to classify it as a way, like, they now classify it as, what was it? Um, what was it called? Like a way to uh, scare the masses, okay? It was just like a, it was used for warfare, like it's a type of religion that's used for warfare in order to scare the masses to do a certain way. That's completely wrong. And if you were to just, you know, open the Quran and read it, you would find a lot of resemblance between that book and the Bible. You know, like, you know, the Old Testament says no eating pork. That's not something foreign. So to have, you know, a bunch of Christians say that, oh, like, that's, that's something weird, whatever. If they were to look at their Old Testament, um, abstaining from eating pork and drinking wine are two things that are known to be uh, mentioned in there. So, like, to me, it's, it's very clear. Um, it's sort of like, you know, if taking it from a biological sense, it's like diluting, diluting um, something or filtering something out in order to get the pure form. And Islam was really that. It, it took away all the bad and it kept the good. And it kept all the book in a single book, or, or it kept all the good in a single book. And if you were to just follow that book, then you can like live a life that is not extremely, um, you know, not extremely on one side too religious, but you know, someone who is modern and balancing in their practice of the religion. So I hope I'm being heard. <laughs> so the new term will be will be the people of the book. The values of the people of the book are what should encompass most people that live in the United States that follow Abrahamic faith. Right. Sure, we have Taoists, we have Hindus and uh, Buddhists that live in the United States as well. But when when we want to in include values that have existed since with the founding fathers and the documents of the Constitution, the Second Amendment. You know, Thomas Jefferson kept the Quran. He studied it. You know, some of them, you know, they, they studied a lot of ancient texts of law so that they could prepare what was going to be the governing system of right. the United States. The Declaration of Independence is actually um, inspired by the, uh, what was it called? The first... Um, like when they, when they had their first, when it finally established uh, an Islamic city in Medina, they created like a Sharia and they um, like made a constitution almost. And Thomas Jefferson uh, 
says that he was inspired by that in order to help write down the Constitution. So it's crazy to me that Islamic values are incorporated in America, in America's legal system, you know, but we still have people saying, oh, Islam doesn't belong in this country and all of that. Like, it, it, it just like blows my mind. And on top of that, Islam has been, um, Islam has been like a factor in uh, globalism a long time ago, back during the Golden Age, whenever, um, you know, Islam spread from Baghdad all the way uh, to Spain. Like, when that whole thing happened, there was a bunch of inventions, a bunch of engineers, some evolutionary um, uh, discoveries in medicine. Like, Islam has been playing a role in progression for a very long time. So Islam is not separated from being progressive at all. In fact, Islam promotes um, a Muslim to, to uh, gain knowledge, to keep learning, to keep applying his knowledge, but just to do all that in the realms of um, being Muslim, the realms of Tawheed, of believing in one God and his messenger. You know, so it's, it's, not a very, it's not a difficult concept at all. And being an American Muslim, I was born and raised in Texas. Um, I've never, like, alhamdulillah, thank God, I've never uh, faced a very challenging situation where I had to give up my religion or, um, you know, embrace the practice of Americans or whatnot, or the culture here. But, like, alhamdulillah, I just feel like I've been um, able to, you know, show the best of both worlds to my peers, to my friends, to my community. So I really encourage other Muslims to keep doing what they're doing and to just not give up their faith in order to be active members of society. And hopefully we will see something like what Catholicism went through. Um, like a, a surge of acceptance and a surge of incorporation in, in the economy and all of that, you know? Well, that's, that's it for, the, for the, this episode of Esteban Nation. That's, that's a really great insight from Sidra Al-Bostani. She uh, gave us an idea as to what, what, the, the, what the future of the United States can look like if we can incorporate Islamic values into into the into the culture of American society and know that that Muslims are not 9/11 they are not they are not al-Baghdadi they're not ISIS they are a people who are invested in the United States and they want to see the progression of this country and want to believe in this country just as just as any other American would like to. I'm your host, Esteban Nation, and thank you for watching. Thank you, guys. Okay, good job.